0: From KCLU, this is The 101, a podcast where we journey up and down Highway 101 along California's Central and South Coast, sharing discovery stories and conversations from Simi Valley to Santa Barbara to San Luis Obispo and beyond. I'm your host, Michelle Luxton. It's season four, a season about consequences. We see lots of news headlines all the time in this region about the deaths of mountain lions. Here's one, mountain lion killed by vehicle while trying to cross a highway. Another, mountain lion found dead, necropsy reveals it was filled with rat poison. Or there's the numerous headlines about the recent death of this region's most famous mountain lion, P-22. Here's KCLU's Lance Roscoe reporting on the story in December.
1: But it was an emotional weekend for wildlife officials. They realized the big cat had serious injuries after being hit by a vehicle. They also discovered other life-threatening medical problems like kidney and heart disease. P-22 had a number of severe...
0: Essentially, a lot of the time, urban mountain lions in our region face an unfortunate death as a consequence of human impact.
2: Being hit and killed on roads is the number one cause of mortality.
0: In this episode of The 101, I'll tell you the life stories of three somewhat unknown mountain lions. P-64, the trailblazer.
1: So here's an individual that found a safe way to navigate these freeways.
0: P-65, the teacher who revealed and taught the park service about a new threat to the lions.
2: We've had a number of other cases of mountain lions getting mange, in this case with P-65. She actually died with the man and that's the first mountain lion.
0: And P-23, the mother.
1: So we were able to track her at a young age, going out there with our receiver and antenna. And so we followed her practically her, her whole life. I think she had three litters.
0: By learning about their impactful lives, we can learn what to do about their unfortunate deaths deaths that have some worried about losing this animal entirely from the Santa Monica Mountains. From an Iraq war cover-up to
1: towns ravaged by opioids to the roots of our modern immigration crisis, Embedded explores what's been sealed off and undisclosed. NPR's original investigative podcast reveals why these stories and the people behind them matter. Listen to the Embedded podcast, only from NPR.
0: This is The 101. I'm Michelle Oxton. For this trip into the Santa Monica Mountains, you'll have two guides two National Park Service experts with 20 years of experience studying the mountain lions and animals of our region. I'll introduce you to them in a moment. But first I want you to imagine what the mountains were like a century ago. A hundred years ago, the mountain lions or pumas or cougars, whichever name you prefer to use or work, of the Santa Monica Mountains essentially roamed free. There were no highways, commercial agricultural fields, or suburbia locking them into one area.
2: In the past, animals would have, including mountain lions, would have just been able to go wherever, basically, they they wanted.
0: This is Seth Riley, guide number one, a wildlife ecologist at Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area. He oversees all the wildlife programs at the park and is also an adjunct professor at UCLA.
1: You know, hundreds of years ago, these Mountain ranges were all connected, right? We didn't have freeways and development, so it wasn't um, as fragmented as it is now, of course.
0: And this is Jeff Sickich, guide number two, a biologist also with the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area. He does a lot of field work, hiking, scouting, and coloring and tracking many of the animals in the Santa Monica's. Yes, there are definitely huge parts of the Santa Monica's that are preserved and kept wild. 300 square miles, in fact, of coastline and mountains. But it is today very much an urban park, a fragmented landscape. Here's Riley.
2: And so in some ways, you go out there and it might not be all that different from how it, how it might have looked, depending on where you go, you know. But then you go a little farther north and you hit the freeway, Or you go a little farther east and you hit much more developed areas in Los Angeles. Or you go a little farther west and you hit the intensive agricultural areas in the Oxnard Plain.
0: And Sickich points out, back in the day, they weren't alone.
1: But also, mountain lions had competing large carnivores as well. So there used to be grizzly bears in the Santa Monica Mountains and, and gray wolves used to roam around here. So as it stands today, the mountain lion is our last remaining large carnivore in the Santa Monica Mountains.
0: Remember, large carnivores were, at one stage, hunted. Grizzly bears, the animal that appears on the California flag, were hunted to local extinction about a century ago and were last seen in the Santa Monicas around the late 1800s, according to the National Park Service. Gray wolves had been wiped out of the state by the 1920s, but slowly they are coming back in Northern California, but they are rare and are listed as endangered. So the mountain lion's ability to roam free has changed drastically, but so is something else, the human wild animal relationship. It's more about tolerance and even love today.
1: The education that us and also many other organizations have done in the area have really you know, dampened a lot of those fears of, oh, what's the lion going to do in my backyard? Is it safe to go out hiking?
0: You just have to look at how P-22, the famous mountain lion that lived in Griffith Park for many years, was adored by the public to see how times have changed. A bit of a housekeeping note here. The P at the beginning of the name stands for Puma, and the number represents in what order they got their tracking collar. When P22 was euthanized in December last year, there was a memorial service held at the Greek theatre that thousands attended. The celebrity Puma was laid to rest in a private tribal ceremony. Next, with help from guides Seth Riley and Jeff Sikich, I want to make three relatively unknown mountain lions, or Pumas, famous. None can be as famous as P-22, but I can try. Because what we learn from their lives and unfortunate deaths may paint a picture of how to help. So we start our character study with P-23, the mother. Born in June 2012, P23 was implanted with a tiny transmitter while she was still in the den. Photos of her show a feisty kitten with fluffy fur, bright blue eyes, and tiny teeth. Here's Sickage, who finds these dens and is present when transmitters are put in.
1: So we were able to track her um, at a young age, um, going out there with our receiver and antenna. And so we followed her practically her her whole life.
0: P23 was a product of first order inbreeding, which is when a father mountain lion mates with his female offspring. Inbreeding has been documented numerous times in the Santa Monica mountain lions. Why does inbreeding happen? Well, highways, farmland and suburbia are keeping lions trapped in the mountains, meaning they're unable to disperse and are mating with whoever is around, which is often children. This was the case for P23's parents.
1: And so we knew our population for many years in the Santa Monica Mountains had this very low genetic diversity, some of the lowest ever discovered.
0: Cases of fathers mating with daughters, granddaughters, and even great granddaughters has been documented. This lack of genetic diversity can lead to abnormalities like only one descended testicle or kinks in the tails. The Florida Panthers, who have also experienced widespread inbreeding have presented other ailments like heart problems and instances where both testicles didn't drop, meaning no reproduction. This hasn't happened in the Santa Monica mountain lions, but it does paint a picture of what can happen with inbreeding in wild cats. P23 made the news shortly after she left her mother, when she was photographed eating a deer she had killed on the side of Mulholland Drive which runs through the mountains. This was seen as a particularly rare sighting. In the photos, she looks pretty fierce standing over her kill. She went on to have three litters. The father of two of those litters was her own father. The father of the third was suspected to be a half-sibling, more inbreeding. She had particularly bad luck as a mother with her litters.
1: P23's first litter was in February of 2015, and we marked two kittens. And days later, this was the first time we documented this in our study, an adult male actually came by and we got remote camera footage of it. He actually killed both kittens and and ate them.
0: A later litter was preyed upon by another animal. They aren't sure what kind, with only one surviving kitten. P23 was found dead in 2018 after she was hit by a car. Road mortalities are the number one cause of death for mountain lions in our region. You see, there's not enough space for all mountain lions that are born in the Santa Monica's, only space for one or two adult males and four to six females. When mountain lions are old enough to disperse from their mothers, they try and go off and seek their own new home range out of the dominant lion's territory. The lions need to roam, find more space, but they're often killed as they're traveling around looking for food or crossing busy highways trying to leave the region entirely. Here's Riley.
2: So we've had very few young animals successfully get somewhere else and establish a home range, either in the Santa Monica's, you know, sort of, or elsewhere. And so they, they, we can see from their points, they seem to be bumping up against the freeway or they'll try to cross and they'll get killed. Or sometimes they'll end up running into the adult male and they'll fight with them and then typically they'll, they'll be killed.
0: P-23 was killed on a secondary road. and To make this story even more tragic, one of her surviving kittens died in the exact same place years later.
2: And in that case, um, she was pregnant with four um, basically full-term fetuses. Um, so she died and all of those those kittens died
0: from march 2022 to march 2023 12 mountain lions have been killed on our roads 37 since the national park service has been studying these animals our next character Is P65 the teacher? P65 was captured and collared in 2018 at around two years of age. In photos from that capture and colouring, I can't help but notice her pink nose and prominently defined eyes. All these mountain lions have what looks like dark eyeliner around their yellowish eyes. P65 was able to overcome many obstacles in her life. Months after she was collared, the Woolsey fire broke out in the Santa Monica Mountains. The massive blaze burned almost 100,000 acres and forced more than a quarter of a million people to evacuate their homes. Fortunately, P-65 was able to avoid the fire, keeping to the perimeter and likely finding unburned areas of safety. Her entire home rage was within the burn zone. Later, in 2019, She did something historic where she became only the second radio-collared female mountain lion to cross the 101 freeway. Biologists think she must have bravely run across the highway as no remote cameras on culverts or underpasses picked her up. But despite her surviving so much, she died last year of something the National Park Service documented for the first time in two decades of studying these lions.
2: She died with Notre mange.
0: According to the Park Service, this is a highly contagious skin disease caused by mite parasites. It shows up as hair loss and skin encrustation on the head and face.
2: It gets all over the body. They, they look bad. They c- kind of wander around more during the day and even in developed areas
0: we've seen. Which is not common for mountain lions. They usually avoid humans.
2: And typically mange is something where you know, the mites might be around and animals might pick them up. But if they're healthy and they have healthy immune systems, they probably don't get sick from it, basically.
0: But unfortunately, these mountain lions aren't always healthy. Toxicology results revealed that P65 was exposed to five different anticoagulant rodenticides or rat poisons.
2: There's a very strong correlation between having a certain amount of rodenticide and and getting mange.
0: Rat poisoning causes the blood to stop clotting.
2: And so they bleed to death internally. And so, and you know, you find them, you find the animal just out there, laying there.
0: The park service thinks the lions get it from what they eat, coyotes specifically. And because mountain lions really like eating the organs of their prey, they get big doses of the poison. It's believed the coyotes get it from infected rodents, which get it from traps left out by humans. And having mange, being this ill, itching and scratching from the mites and crusted over eyes, they aren't able to hunt and are often found emaciated. Rat poisoning is a major problem for mountain lions and other carnivores in our region. To date, 41 of the 42 dead mountain lions that have been found and tested all tested positive for rat poison. They also found it in four full-term fetuses.
2: We've had a couple of like big healthy adult male mountain lions that just out there keeled over dead in the middle of the park. Um, and then when you do a necropsy, then they have a bunch of free blood in their body cavity. So.
0: Our last character is P-64, the trailblazer. P-64 first made his presence known when he did something researchers hadn't seen before. Here's Sikic again.
1: Um, we first picked him up on remote camera using a long, dark covert at Liberty
0: Canyon. That's in the Agora Hills area. Remote cameras had been set up in multiple locations that researchers thought could be potential highway crossings, culverts and underpasses.
1: And so it was exciting to see this uncollared male, you know, using this culvert, which was the first time we've heard of it in, you know, the course of our study.
0: P-64 went on to find numerous spots to cross the major highways in our region. And after the park service were able to capture him and get a radio collar on him, they were able to track and record some incredible data.
1: But in that nine-month period, he crossed freeways, the 101 and the 118, a total of 40 times. Um, He crossed the 101, using that culvert, 14 total times, going back and forth.
0: Why is this so incredible? Well, most animals don't attempt to cross highways. The thousands of cars speeding by are too intimidating. Or, as we've learned, if they try, they can get killed by a car. Underpasses and culverts are also pretty scary. They can be long and dark and often you can't see all the way to the end of them. So
1: for whatever reason, he ventured through that long dark covert, um, which is, I think it's around 100 meters long. And there's a bend in it so you can't even see light, you know, when you're entering it until you get to that middle part um, so it's really interesting to see him find a safe way to navigate.
0: P64's ability to navigate the fragmented landscape of the Santa Monica's, the Santa Susana Mountains, and Simi Hills with ease gained him the name Calvert Cat. When I look at the photos of him coming out of the calverts, he looks like a lean young male with what I imagine is a glint of adventure in his eyes.
1: So here's an individual that found a safe way to navigate these freeways. So to him, this area was already pretty connected.
0: He was the only mountain lion in their study that found a safe way to repeatedly cross highways. But then came the 2018 Woolsey Fire, which was caused by faulty power lines.
1: Two fires that have been burning and not even 24 hours old yet since yesterday afternoon. Some 75,000 people displaced in Ventura County and parts of LA County using parking lots as
0: as shelters. The National Park Service had 11 collared mountain lines in the vicinity of the fire when it broke out. P-64 was one of them.
1: And as the fire was moving in, it was basically forcing them towards, you know, to the south and west towards a developed area. and He had, you know, two choices to make, basically, Um, you know, enter the developed area where there's a lot of noise, people evacuating, fire trucks, um, or enter the scorched landscape.
0: It may seem like an easy choice for a human, but it's not for a mountain lion. They avoid developed areas.
1: And we know from our long-term data, you know, especially these adults, they're not in these urban areas often, adult males less than one percent of the time
0: p64 did survive the initial fire but days later his collar sent out a signal biologists hoped they wouldn't receive
1: he survived the initial fire um, but then we had a mortality signal from his radio collar two weeks after the fact and when um, we collected his remains he had burnt paws was um, was extremely emaciated so he wasn't able to hunt
0: P64 was approximately four years old. These stories are all pretty sad. So now let's talk about solutions. There are two major ones. The biggest one is connectivity. If lions can move more freely through the region, then they can get away from fires, avoid being hit by cars, decrease inbreeding, and escape a dominant male who's not happy you're in his territory. Here's Riley again.
2: The crossing, which is already under construction, is really going to help that.
0: The Wallace Annenberg Wildlife Crossing is currently under construction over the 101 highway in Agora Hills. Once built, it'll be a bridge about the width of an American football field crossing over 10 lanes of highway architects have called it a green roof on steroids because it's been designed to match the surrounding habitat in a way that encourages lions and other animals to use it. If you want extra information on the wildlife crossing and how it'll make the region more connected for animals, check out a previous episode of the 101 podcast called The Building of the World's Largest Animal Crossing. There is also hope for other wildlife crossings to be built. And this is something you can get involved in. The Wallace-Annenberg Crossing had a lot of private funding from very big and very small donors. It was also something politicians loved to get involved in. And what can be done about the rat poison? First, let's understand the problems with the poisons. As I've already mentioned, anticoagulant rodenticides stop normal blood clotting. Remember those healthy lions that bled to death internally? The next problem is the first and second generation poisons. When rodents became resistant to first generation rat poisons, second generation were created. These poisons were updated to act faster and last longer. Local groups are advocating to change pesticide use.
2: A lot has been done to reduce the use of those poisons. Like there's a group called Poison-Free Malibu, for example, that has went, even to the extent of going to individual stores and talking to them about you know, the use of those compounds to cities and even counties that significantly reduced.
0: In 2020, the state authored a bill putting a moratorium on second-generation poisons. Riley says Ventura County has reduced the amount of rodenticides it's using and also the types, and at a national level, he says the Environmental Protection Agency is also looking at its regulations again now. But at a ground level where these scientists are working, they aren't seeing much change yet.
2: So there's been a lot of progress, although I will say we're, we are still seeing them show up in the wildlife. Um, so it hasn't sort of gotten to, to that all the way to where, um, where we're not still seeing that the exposure.
0: Solution-wise, non-anticoagulant rat poisons have been developed that are supposed to lead to death in a target species after ingestion of just a single dose, but those have also shown up in mountain lions. So there isn't really a safe rat poison. The name poison gives it away, I suppose. Some have tried the non-poison approach, such as raptor perches or planting specific plants that rodents hate. These have seen some success. And we need to do all these things if we are to avoid the extinction risks to this mountain lion population.
2: From the fact that the population is so small, that there is a risk in the long term of loss, I mean, the, the word he used typically is, is extirpation because the species is not going extinct, right? But this, our population could be lost.
0: Riley says modeling by a postdoc at UCLA has shown that if there isn't increased connectivity and increased genetic diversity, there could be a grim future in store.
2: According to the model, and you know, it's a model, but there was basically a hundred percent chance of extinction within within on, within uh, fifty years.
0: By building more connectivity, that outcome changes, and by introducing new lions into this population.
2: But the good news was, because he was able to look at different scenarios, and if you increase immigration into the population—not even that much—you know, one every four years or, or one every two years, that made a huge difference in terms of the genetics Then the prospects for, for long-term survival are, I think are, are pretty good.
0: And the prospects are made even better for the future of these carnivores because the open and wild space there is, the habitat, has been good for many mountain lions so good that some lions have lived way past their expected lifespan of 10 years. Like P19, the 13-year-old female the National Park Service continues to follow today.
1: We marked her as a three-week-old kitten in 2010. She's had six litters during this time. She lives in the western part of the Santa Monica Mountains. And she has survived two fires, the Springs fire and the Woolsey fire. And, you know, she's definitely a survivor.
0: Head over to kclu.org podcast where you'll find photos from my reporting, including photos of our three characters, some when they were kittens and others with their tracking collars on as adults. There's a great shot of P-23 as a kitten, culvert cat coming out of a culvert, and P-65 when she was collared. The 101 is produced by KCLU Public Radio. We are NPR for the California coast, part of the NPR Podcast Network. This episode was edited by Elisa Barber. I'm Michelle Luxton, the host and creator of The 101. If you have an idea or a story for one of our next episodes, email me at podcast at kclu.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about it today. And don't forget to subscribe. I'd also love it if you'd rate or review our podcast. That helps others find our podcast. This is The 101. Thanks for listening.